Good morning, everyone. We're going to carry on our series in James as we look at the Bible together. And we're going to look at James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Carrying on from what we've seen from Chris and Ben recently, uh, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Now let's see what he goes on to say in James 4, 13 to 17. Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will do this, or go, go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, It is sin for them. I want to ask us these questions as we start today. In our life, who is in control? Who is king of our lives? Who is Lord? Who are we living for? I think the wonderful truth that James draws out here which can be applied in everything, in the good and in the bad, in the mundane and in the exciting, when things go wrong, when things are just plodding on as we would kind of predict them to, God is in control. We're not in control, God is in control and he is the one we are to live for. You see, as we launch into these verses, James is clearly not happy with what they're saying. And yet, in one sense, verse 13, we could look and say, in one sense, it kind of sounds sensible. It kind of looks like good planning. Uh, Today or tomorrow, we'll go here or there. We'll go somewhere. We're going to plan it out and look at where we're going to go. And we're going to do business. We'll make money. We'll stay there for a set number of time. We're going to stay there for a year. We're going to do that. It seems like kind of a, a good plan being laid out. But yet James challenges it really strongly. Is James against planning things? Does he want more spontaneity? No, don't bother thinking it out, just dive in. James isn't anti-planning. James isn't here arguing against their planning and what they're, even kind of what they're specifically thinking of, but he's against their arrogance and their presumption. See in verse 16, what does he say? As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. He's against the arrogance that says or thinks, I'm in control of my life. I decide what I'm doing today, tomorrow, next year, forever. No one's telling me what to do. I'm the king and lord of my life. I'm living for me. You see, James isn't directly challenging their plan of what they're thinking of doing. It appears, but their arrogance. It's my life. I'm in charge. I'll do what I like. No one can stop me. Perhaps their motives also. This is for me. We'll go there, do business, make money, make ourselves comfortable. We'll, we could imply for, for my benefit, for my comfort. And their presumption overall that I'm in control, I'm Lord of my life, I can do what I want, I can make it happen. We see Jesus tells a story in Luke 12. He's tackling what what we do with our our money, what what attitude we should have towards wealth, but it rings very similar bells. In Luke 12 and verse 18, 
we see, we see this. He tells this parable. In verse 16, in fact, he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. There's this sense, I'm in control, I'm living for me and I can do it. James here is challenging very similar attitude. And it can be the world's view. The answer is inside you. You're the answer. These words trip off the tongue so easily. Self-help, self-esteem, self-confidence, self-reliance. It's all on you. You're where the answer comes from is inside you. You can be whatever you want to be. You can do anything you put your mind to. Nothing is stopping you from reaching your goal if you work hard enough. Always follow your dreams. You, you, you. You're in control. You live your life. See, it can be this kind of Western expectation, the trajectory of your life. It's going to be you're going to become more successful, more successful, more successful in the world's eyes. Bigger house, better house, better neighborhood, better job, better, more money, more comfort, more, more, more for me. You see, the current pandemic is challenging these assumptions for so many people. It's a, it's a Western middle class lie that somehow that's the trajectory that's supposed to happen and we can make it happen. You see, James is bringing a sobering and stark challenge to that in verse 14 and 15. He's bringing this challenge. The answer to everything is not me, not believing in myself, not me making it happen, but it's God. In God we trust, in God we rely. We rely on him because he is in control. We see Jesus' example throughout the Gospels of his daily dependence on God the Father. Jesus, the man who was God, the, the man who is God himself. Yet he modeled this so wonderfully for us that he was reliant on God his Father. He brought, he got away by himself to speak with his Father. He relied on God, he relied on him. We see that throughout the Gospels. James brings this challenge. If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. See, he's challenging. No, we are reliant on him. He's not kind of bringing a kind of tagline or some kind of superstition. Ah, I know. I can do whatever I like, but I must, I must say the right words. I must say, uh, of course, if God's wills. Uh, God willing become a bit like some kind of strange game of Simon Says. Put your hand up. No, 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 you didn't wait for me to say Simon Says. Oh, no, of course. Simon Says, put your hand up. Oh, it's fine. Oh, of course, I've just got to make sure I use the right words. I can do whatever I like, God willing. No, he's not kind of bringing some kind of superstitious tagline. You must say, if it's God will, we will do these things. But calling them to genuine understanding. 
I'm not in control. I'm not Lord of my life. He is. He's in control. I'm living for him. You see, we can make all the plans we like. In fact, planning is not the problem. But we must recognise God is on the throne of my life. We must let God be in the place that he, is, he has. He is the one who's in control. We need to recognise God's hand in our everyday life. He's the one who gives us breath. He's the one who gives us life. Perhaps in the midst of a pandemic or a very strange year, a year that seems to have gone in a completely different direction to what we might have expected, this is more easy to recognise. And yet we need to grasp this in the predictability of our life, in the day-to-day, in the mundane. When life is predictable or comfortable, relatively so, God is the one who's in control. I'm completely reliant on him. See, James lays out a stark three-part, sobering three-part challenge to this attitude that he sees. As we journey through verse 14, we're going to see, as James reveals their and our ignorance, our frailty, and our dependence. See, their attitude is this. We can choose. We can go. We know what we're doing. We can make it happen. We're in control. Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. And James says, no, no, no. Firstly, you're ignorant. Verse 14, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. We're ignorant. We don't know what's around the corner. We can't see tomorrow, never mind next year. We think we know what we're talking about. We, we think we understand and we get it. And yet, ultimately, we don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says something similar. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. See, again, we need to grasp this in the predictable, comfortable areas of our life where we think we know. We know what's coming. We know what's going to happen Remember, we are fully reliant on him. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. And James moves on to say this. You're frail. What does he say? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Drawing attention to our fragility. The fact that we are Here today, gone tomorrow, we're temporary, we're mortal. You see, it's so easy to think in a way that we're kind of invincible. It'll never happen to me. I have the power to make it happen. I can go wherever I want to go. James saying, no, no, do you realise your life? It's like a mist that's here one day and it vanishes the next. See, James is drawing stark attention to the fact we don't know what's coming. And actually, we're not some big, powerful creatures that can work everything out. The current situation highlights this. We didn't know this was coming. And it highlights, actually, often in heartbreaking ways, the fragility of human life. Perhaps it could 
actually, actually it could easily lead us to worry and to fear. Actually, we're not in control. We don't know what's coming. We don't know. And my life is fragile. And yet what James is drawing them towards is this. You don't know, and you're not in control, but we have a God who is immortal, all-powerful, and who cares for us. In Matthew 6, I'm going to just read from, actually, from the Jesus Storybook Bible for a moment. Jesus says this, talking about this subject, so easy to worry and to fear. He says this, see those birds over there? Jesus said, everyone looked. Little sparrows were pecking at seeds along the stony path. Where do they get their food? Perhaps they have pantries all stocked up, cabinets full of food. Everyone laughed. Who's ever seen a bird with a bag of groceries? <laughs> no, Jesus said. They don't need to worry about that because God knows what they need and he feeds them. What about these wildflowers? Everyone looked. All around them, flowers were growing. Anemones, daisies, pure white lilies. Where do they get their lovely clothes? Do they make them? Or do they go to work every day so that they can buy them? Do they have closets full of clothes? Everyone laughed again. Who's ever seen a flower putting on a dress? No, Jesus said. They don't need to worry about that because God clothes them in royal robes of splendor. Not even a king is that well-dressed. Jesus goes on to say, Little flock, you are more important than birds, more important than flowers. The birds and the flowers don't sit and worry about things and God doesn't want his children to worry either. God loves to look after the birds and the flowers and he loves to look after you too. You see, James draws our attention rightly, soberingly to the fact we're not in control. We don't know what's coming. We're frail, mortal beings. Yet we have a God who is in control and who loves us and who cares for us. He leads us to his third point. We're dependent. We are dependent. He goes on, what does he go on to say at the beginning uh, of verse 15? Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. It's a wonderful alternative. Not I'm in control and I can work it out and I can do it. But if the Lord wills, he is in control. He is sovereign. He sees. He knows. He is immortal. He is good. He is God. You see, it's so easy for us at different times, particularly when things just seem to be ticking along and going well, to get drawn into thinking, I'm my own man. I'm in control. I'm independent. Look, I can manage. I can do it. I can work it out. I can plan everything in my own way and I can just make it happen. Like I said, the Western world can feed us this message. You're the only one to rely on. You can do it. But we're not meant to be like that. We're made to be saved, to be rescued by Jesus. Joined together with our brothers and sisters, formed to be a body, supporting, helping, encouraging, not alone, not self-reliant, not, not standing independently on our own, but working together and ultimately fully reliant on God. 
dependent on him. Wonderful words in Colossians 1, talking about Jesus and his saving power and his sustaining power over all things. In Colossians 1, beginning at verse 15. Just going to look it up now. Let's read that. Colossians 1 and verse 15. This is Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. This is Jesus, our Saviour. Do you know him? It's in him we can rely and we can trust. He is in control. He is in control. He made, through him all things were made, and he holds all things together. As James reveals the fact we're not in control, the fact we don't know, the fact we are frail and fragile, he draws us to this truth. If the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. In him we can trust. He is in control of all things. We're utterly reliant on him for every breath. In him, all things hold together. He's got the whole world in his hands. We might have sung in different songs. You see, once again, the situation of this year, the current situation has shown us so clearly and in a sense, wonderfully, our need of him. We can't predict the future. We can't know what's coming. We can't control it. But he is in control and he is faithful and good. As we face the continuing challenge of this pandemic, as we step into all God has for us as a people and as individuals, as we step into hubs and, and everything else, you see, there's a right weight to this from James. We are frail and ignorant and totally dependent. We can't do it ourselves. We can't, we're not meant to. But there's a, a wonder and a glory of the fact, who are we dependent on? The God of the universe, who knows all things, who is all powerful and who loves us with a love that sent his son to die for us. This is incredible. This is wonderful. James, in highlighting our limitations, in doing so, illuminates how big and how glorious and how wonderful God is. We're totally dependent on him. But also, if God wills, if it's God's will, this is the other side of it. His plans are perfect and best, and they are what we should seek. That's what we want to follow him wherever he's going. See, we could accidentally see God as some kind of cosmic policeman who... As we keep trying our brilliant plans, he might eventually let one of my brilliant plans go ahead, if God, if it's God's will. But that's not it at all. He's the one who knows all. He's the one who's got the perfect plans. We haven't got the brilliant plans. He's the all-powerful one who knows the best for each one of us and for us collectively. You can see how that worked out for Paul in Acts 16. 
It's taking steps of faith, trying to, trying to move out into the next area. Should we go here and preach the good news? No, God was stopping us. Should we go here and preach the good news? No, God's stopping us from going there. Then Paul gets the dream. Macedonian man calling him, come to us. And they go into Macedonia and spread the word there and see what God had planned. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. If it's God's will, let's follow him where he is going. You see, if the Lord wills, this is a glorious thing. It's not a God kind of stopping us doing the things that we know are a good idea. No, it means I, we, are not dependent on my feeble plans, my simple ideas, my fragile life. We walk in the plans and purposes of God, the Lord of hosts, the King of kings. See, when we look at our plans as a church, we were looking to step out into a third congregation, the South site. The next step, what we'd heard God say of multiple congregations around the city. But we were hitting walls. We'd taken a step of faith. We'd kind of got moving. We'd kind of stepped into having a meeting somewhere. We'd picked a place to just meet once. But we couldn't find a venue that would work for us long term. Why? Why can't we find a way through? And praise God. He has something better for us. First, the pandemic hits and we think, well, actually, it's a great job that we hadn't just signed a contract on a building, which we couldn't actually use now. And then as time's gone on, God's revealed, I'm accelerating what I'm doing with you. I'm not talking about a third site. I'm talking about you being one church with six hubs, maybe more to come as time goes on. But starting with these six, not three, but six, God had bigger, better plans. God is in control. And as we see ourselves rightly and therefore lift him up all the more. Wow. We see this is wonderful. How much better is it? No, I'm not in control. No, I don't know everything. No, I'm, I can't just say this is what I'm going to do. I'm living for God and he is in control. For individuals, us as individuals, might be facing all sorts of circumstances. For all of us, 2020 is probably not what we would have planned. But different ones, there may be very specific pain and disappointment and struggles. But the reality and the truth is this, God is in control. God knows what he's doing. God knows what's coming tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. He has planned out all our days. So do we know it all? Do we know what's coming in terms of hubs? Do we know everything about them? To be honest, we don't even know exactly what to call them. We've got hub A to F at the moment. Do we know everything for the future? Do we know how the pandemic's going to work out? Do we know what's going to happen with economies? No. But does he? Oh, yes, he does. And does he have plans and purposes that are perfect? And he is in control and he is looking after us and he is with us. Oh, yes, he is. I want to ask you this question. Do you know him? If you don't, you can know him today. And if you do, trust him. Submit to him. Know that he is the one who's in control. I'll close by saying this. I want to agree with James. Yes, I am ignorant. I don't know what will happen tomorrow, but I'm trusting the king that knows every hair on my head and has planned out all my days. Yes, James, I am a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow, fragile, mortal, but 
I am loved by the infinite, mighty creator of the universe. And yes, oh yes, I am dependent. I can't do it myself, but I'm dependent on the king of kings, the saviour who stepped down and died in my place and is exalted on high and who knows everything. No, I'm not in control. I'm not Lord and master of my life. I'm not living for me and my comfort. Isn't it brilliant? Because God is. Let's trust him as we go forward into the unknown, into the day-to-day. He's in control and he loves us. Amen.